things lined up. And we had a nice little taste of winter over the weekend, and we're hoping it's over, but as we were discussing downstairs, this is Ohio, so we may get some more in April. We've had snow in April, you know. Oh, yeah. Been there, done that. Didn't get the t-shirt. All right. Let's turn to page 128 in the hymn book, and we'll start with the song, Wounded for Me. This is a new one for a lot of you, probably, but it's a pretty simple song. Play that one more time. You're by chance to get there. 128.
One day you're literally going to do that. What a wonderful thought. Amen? One of these days. All right, let's sing one more. Page 328, close to thee. By my Chapter 14, 
verses 1 to 7. We'll cover, Lord willing, and the church don't rise. If the church does rise, I certainly hope this building is empty. Amen. 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 Acts 14, if you want to have your Bibles open, but we will begin with asking you to hold your questions and comments until the end of the current events update. Israel at war. 218-24, day 135 since the October 7th beginning of the war. The hostages remain, so Prime Minister Netanyahu stays the course. They have dedicated themselves to full victory over Hamas. Uh, he was asked again, he's asked every time he goes in front of anybody, and he says they're not fighting in Rafah uh, would mean losing the war. And the Rafa is in the southern part of Gaza. It's a terrible situation. We grant that. Uh, the people from the north all went south, and now that's where Hamas goes, because Hamas uses people as a human shield. Um, and we still remind you, they still have the hostages. If they, want, if they cared about their people, they would release the hostages. And not surprisingly, Arab Muslims want to keep the hostages and get a ceasefire. That's why when you hear the hostage talks and ceasefire talks not going anywhere, that's why. Because the Arab Muslim supporters of Hamas, they wouldn't claim that they are, but they are. And they want, to, they want the hostages to remain in the possession of Hamas and uh, get a ceasefire. This is an example of the... Qatari PM, hostage deal shouldn't be conditioned for truce. Yeah, okay, you can say that all you want. Uh, you took 136 of our people after slaughtering a couple of thousand. You give us our hostages or it's total war. And folks, that's Romans 13, 1 to 5 in your Bible. Israel is doing what God has ordained government to do. And I'll say this flat out, I don't care who it is, Christian or not, those who are calling on Israel not to go get those hostages and not to destroy Hamas are anti-biblical and filled with the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. Amen. And just as in America, the leftist unions in Israel stand against the right on every issue. I'm not anti-union, but most of our unions are trash. Yes, amen. Most of our unions support every wicked thing in this country. Yeah. I belong to a union. I used to go to the meetings and tell them how wicked they are. <laughs> and every Christian who's in a union needs to speak up whenever they see their union using their money to support the murder of unborn children, gun confiscation, Marxist, Marxism in all its forms, and standing against Israel and supporting Sodom and Gomorrah. Sadly, that's what most unions in this country do with the union dues they get. They support wicked, anti-Christ politics. And that includes the teachers' union. Yeah. One of the worst. But over there in Israel, the union chief calls for elections. He's saying that uh, Netanyahu should resign. And if you look at the subtitle, Netanyahu took Israel to the edge, says... Uh, in the name of the union, Histadrit, or something like that, uh, Arnon Bar-David, who slams divisive policies and uh, economic conduct. <laughs> it's not, 
Netanyahu has called, caused this division. It's Hamas. And let me let you know a little secret. It's Islam. Islam is a wicked religion. Amen. Its founder, Muhammad, was a wicked man. Amen. A pedophile. Amen. A rapist. Amen. A murderer. A thief. And a liar. And a false prophet. Aren't you afraid someone's going to come after you? Let them. Don't threaten me with heaven. We stand with Israel and pray for peace and victory for the Jewish state. We stand there unapologetically. We stand there and we stand there loudly. We will say it to whoever will hear us. Here's, this is a post I just uh, co-opted. It said, there's no victory until every last hostage returns home. Amen, amen. 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 We won't stop until they're all back. That's the hashtag bring them home now movement. We're told in the Bible, Psalm 122 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Amen. That's not optional. We're supposed to do that. So that's why we do it. We have the, the banner to remind you. And that map we've shown you several times now just so you have a visual of what Israel is up against. And I believe if this is the end time gulf make all conflict, it's just going to get worse until we're out of here. Amen. Happy days are here again. <laughs> well, yeah, for us. <laughs> it's the world left behind that faces the darkness. So number two. I just want to make this recommendation. I sent this out on as a link to some of our uh, relatives and friends. Tucker Carlson interviewed a, a fellow named Mike Benz, and it's about internet uh, censorship, but it really goes beyond that. Uh, but the whole world right now is interconnected with the internet. So if you censor and control the internet, you're going to control everything. You're going to control banking. You're going to control the news media. You're going to control politics. You're going to control everything. And elections, yes. So I highly recommend that. If you'll notice, that's on our website. All you have to do, do is go to bbfohio.com and scroll down and watch that interview. It's only about an hour. Jenny and I watched it in the morning, and then we came here and sat and watched half of it with the uh, BBF snow removal uh, battalion that showed up yesterday. Amen. But uh, I just want to say this, too. I always have to give a disclaimer. I'm not saying that I recommend everything Tucker Carlson says. <laughs> I not recommend everything Mike Ben says. I don't know a lot about the guy. But that interview is accurate. And I did some homework just to check, see, you know, I always do that. So we highly recommend that video on our website, bbfohio.com. And now, i got to say this. I know the Lord is coming soon because the light roast and dark roast are here at the same time. <laughs> Minus Matt. Still didn't get them all in here. <laughs> all right. So anyway, uh, David Limbaugh, who is Rush Limbaugh's brother, is a good Christian man. Again, I don't know everything about what he believes, but he, he takes a good, solid Christian view on uh, morals and that sort of thing. And uh, he shared this, and this, that's what caught my eye about this. But, you know, Elon Musk... He's got issues. I, I don't, again, Elon's another one. I don't endorse everything he believes, and the Neuralink thing is going to be used by the Antichrist and all that. But 
He bought Twitter, renamed it X, and said, free speech. What happened? He now has six federal investigations against him. Your government is controlled by a Democrat Marxist death cult who hates free speech. And it is documented that they've done everything they can to shut down Christians. Do you realize there are people going to prison right now for doing nothing more than standing in front of abortion clinics and urging women not to murder their babies? And they're going to prison because of Joe Biden and his wicked administration. And folks, we better stand up and say something now because if it keeps going, they're going to shut down churches like this. Only Laodicean churches would be allowed to remain open. And so Elon Musk, who is really one of them on a lot of issues, but because he allows free speech, they've gone after him now with six separate federal investigations, weaponizing your government to punish political enemies. And then these gaslighters, these wicked lying reprobates on the left, they gaslight, and they not only project and accuse you of doing what they're doing, and then they'll go after people and then complain because they're scared to death now that if Donald Trump is elected, he'll do what they're doing. It's okay that they're doing it. They just don't want somebody doing it to them. Yep. <laughs> it's just a wild time to be alive, folks. And Elon Musk, he responded and said, the public still doesn't understand even a tiny fraction of the power of the censorship government industrial complex. You've heard of the military industrial complex. Well, now we've got a clear censorship government industrial complex right now in this country. It is no different than the Communist Party. It is no different than the Communist Party. Russia, China, you name the Communist country, this is exactly what they do to their people. And it's just a clarion call, folks, and I hope you'll join me. It's now or never, as Elvis would say. You had better stand up and do something or it's over. They've already rigged the elections. They've already stole most of the media, news media. I mean, uh, Soros just bought up a couple hundred AM radio stations so he can control the message even on AM radio. <laughs> Number three, on the same line, our brave new world is ugly. Uh, John Lennox is a guy that I like to listen to when he's talking about. I'm not, he's not, don't listen to him. I don't think he ever does Bible teaching. I don't know what he actually, his theology is. But when he's talking about uh, evolution, creation, the basic discussion of the existence of God, those things. And uh, he pointed out something that... Uh, you have two main books that you can see playing out before our very eyes in the secular world. One is uh, Huxley's Brave New World. And another is 1984 by George Orwell. Yep. But uh, they kind of took different views of how the world would come under the thumb of the uh, authoritarian government. Mm -hmm. They're both right, even though they're both different. On Huxley said that you wouldn't have to use force because people would do it willingly. Yeah, they were conditioned. That's the woke cult. Everybody you know is caught up in the woke cult is fulfilling the Brave New World model. The rest of us are under the 1984 model where you have to say 2 plus 2 is 5. 
A man can be a woman. Abortion is not murder. So forth. You see where we're going? That's where we're at right now. Our tech is built on the backs of African slave labor. On top of all this, all that we're seeing in our culture is becoming tech. And the whole thing is built on slavery. And all these, uh, you know, snooty, left-wing, white liberals especially just make me sick. As they talk about how they want uh, reparations and everything. And they right now are largely to blame for the slavery across the world with whether it's what we're talking about now or our open border in the south where people come over by the tens of thousands of being turned into slaves of different varieties right here in the United States of America this was uh, out yesterday disturbing footage of children in the Congo being worked to death in a mining cobalt uh, mining cobalt over in the Congo this is, you can go out and check this out for yourself. This is a very large, uh, you know, wide range. When they zoom in and show you what is actually happening and they discuss the abuse of these children, it's not fit for uh, discussion in a church service. That's real. That is a cobalt mine. And that is where all these electric cars and all the solar stuff that everybody's trying to have forced down their throat. That's where it starts, right there. A bunch of slaves in mines. And there's thousands of these all over the place, over there. Mining cobalt that is used in lithium batteries. And here in America, they want, there's two things. Number one, the people who they know would care, they don't tell them this. They just never mention it. But let me tell you something. There's a huge part of the population in America who don't care. I mean, you think about it. If they kill a baby, then why would they care about that? And that is a, like I said, it's a vision from a distance. You can go out there and do your own research. I told people there's some language, so you better be careful. But Michael Moore, who's a nut job, Michael Moore, you know him? You know what I'm talking about? The only video he's ever made, documentary he's ever made, I'd recommend. Planet of the Humans. You'll get details. For a while, he was canceled by the left, even though he's a lefty, because he put that out. It's available on Rumble. Planet of the Humans. Meanwhile, $100 billion is sent overseas to foreign countries, but nothing to the Americans here in East Palestine, Ohio. A hundred, this is just this time. They've been sending tens of billions of dollars overseas. And right here in Ohio, where the train wreck took place, with uh, some of you remember the images of the chemical cloud that's covered the area, making the kids sick and adults and, and kids alike, making them sick ruining the whole region and nothing. A whole year later, and because Biden needs some votes, he shows up. The White House has said all along, and even this week, that President Biden would visit here when the time was right. But aides to the president could not explain why 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, just before jetting off to Delaware for the weekend, was the right time. 
it was back on February 3rd of last year that roughly one-third of a 149-car train operated by Norfolk Southern caught fire and derailed as the train approached this small town of fewer than 5,000 people. The accident sent flames high into the sky and contaminated local air, soil, and creeks with over a million gallons of hazardous chemicals. This in turn prompted the evacuation of half the population and a massive response from state and federal agencies. President Biden vowed to visit the area as he did for disasters in other communities such as Lahaina, Hawaii, but only the transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, showed up almost three weeks after the disaster. The White House said this week that Mr. Biden is coming here at the invitation of the mayor and looks forward to hearing about the progress made over the last year plus. The president has always said when the time is right uh, and when uh, it made sense for him to go, he would go. Uh, and so that's what he's doing. He's going to be on the ground. Uh, he's going to get a briefing and, uh, on what's happening. He's going to hear directly from the people of Palestine. And, uh, and obviously this, this administration is continuing to make sure that Norfolk Southern is held accountable. And we want to make sure that we support uh, the community as it moves forward. The Biden administration says it immediately mobilized the Environmental Protection Agency and other key agencies and departments to help the residents here rebound from the disaster. Jean-Pierre was also asked this week if, while he's here, President Biden will drink the water in East Palestine, Ohio, and she said he will. There's no evidence he did. Talk is cheap. Show us drinking that water that you're telling everybody there to drink. What was happening in the morning, the, the evening of, and the next day, and the weeks and the following is amazing. It's absolutely amazing what this community rose to. You know, I, I want to thank uh, the folks of East Palestine and know. I want them to understand that uh, we're not going home no matter what till this job is done. It's and it's not done yet. There's a lot more to do. The vast point majority has been done. Here's a real statement. And you just heard that. What was your reaction to Joe Biden and the EPA basically cheering themselves, giving themselves a pat on the back? We're never going to get help. We're never going to get help. Like, how can they turn a blind eye when our kids are still having unexplained nosebleeds? When they're starting to have seizures? When we have to tuck kids into beds in homes that haven't been tested? We're citizens. We're not politics. We're people. Like, how can they do this to us? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what they left these poor families. All that talk, they're not helping these people. But they've got, yeah, that's that's the story behind the story. It's a largely uh, MAGA Trump territory. So only now has it been the right time because an election's coming up. And think of the billions of dollars being sent to kill people over in wars. Yeah. Can't even spare. They not, they're not asking for $1 billion. They're not asking for $10 billion, $100 billion, like going overseas. They're not even asking for a billion. They just want enough help to clean up their homes, clean up their neighborhoods, to test and make sure that things aren't contaminated before they let their kids play. And I mean, it's just, just a sick, sad situation. And pray for those people we have many times over the past year. And uh, keep that all in mind when you hear words. Words mean nothing unless it's backed up. Be informed. Pray accordingly. All right. Jessica.
No, but they want to send more money to uh, Ukraine. That's what I said. That's what my whole point was. Yeah. $100 billion they have for everybody else. Yeah. Did you have your hand up? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I heard our tax money is paying for the travel expenses for all these illegals yeah. coming up here. Oh, they're getting everything that you'd expect our veterans to get and are not getting, they're giving it to illegals. And I'll say it clear, they are replacing you. That is not a conspiracy. And it has nothing to do with whites. They want to replace you, 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 I don't care what color you are. If you are an American and you have a Judeo-Christian ethic, they want to replace you, and that's what the open borders are all about right now. Yeah, Peter, you remember last one? Before I retired, we were all talking, and seeing Obama game playing how he could do martial law yeah. to get the military to do his bidding. And we're like, we're never going to do this. And one thing that we're think we were thinking about was he's going to get the UN peacekeepers to somehow somehow be here so you got people from other countries to do his bidding but uh, uh, not too long ago I heard that some congressmen that men are out thinking of giving illegals path citizenship by joining the military yeah. and they, they do good service in the military they can yeah. get you a citizenship so the military get these illegals to be our military right then they get their people yeah to do their bidding yeah and Provide martial law, and they have no qualms to go against us because they're not—they're not Americans, and they don't yeah. have again. You know, you don't have to have the UN. In other words, the military, yeah. U.S. military, be made up of foreigners. Yeah. The foreigners, they, yeah. they, you know, they don't care. They're yeah. just gonna do whatever because they're not Americans like we are. Right. I just, uh, you know, I hope and pray that uh, it doesn't happen until after the rapture. Amen. Yeah. But I know—I just have no doubt in my mind that's going to be the end result. Of, why is America not mentioned in Bible prophecy? You can go over there and look at the symbols of the eagle and, and this and that and try to find America in Bible prophecy. It ain't America ain't there. Why? And that's why. I believe that hopefully after the rapture, but uh, at some point there's going to be a complete... I didn't show all the clips of the people, including farmers and people who are just livid and at their wits end about this, uh, calling for uprisings and things. They were, they were, there was almost a movement to block Palestine so that the president's car couldn't even enter the town. And they talked him out of it. They, you would have had some, some bad things happen over the weekend in East Palestine. So that's where we're going. All right, well, let's open with prayer and get into our Bible study where we find the, as I think John said this morning, history written before it happens. Yeah. In our text, we're not going to deal with a lot of prophecy, but that's what's in uh, this book. And uh, Ecclesiastes says there's no new thing under the sun, and we're going to see what's in Acts 14. It's been happening for 2,000 years and is happening today. So let's uh, open with prayer, and then we'll get into the study. Ask Brother Martin, if you would, if you open the Bible study prayer. Uh, Lord, Listen to the, uh, uh, to the words that, uh, that uh, Greg is going to 
Amen. So we're in Acts 14, verses 1 through 7. We're titling it as it, uh, verse 7. And there they preach the gospel. We'll come to that as we close. But let's read verses 1 through 7. Acts 14, 1 to 7. And I have you read the odd verses with me. So start right there in verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake, that a great multitude both of the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews, with their rulers, to use them despitefully, and to stone them, they were aware of it, and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. Amen? Amen. So Paul and Barnabas are in southern Europe. And uh, we'll see that they practice what uh, is laid out in the book of Acts. First they go into a city and they go to the Jew first. And uh, that's at the synagogues. And we'll see it's typical. They face opposition. And then we see their response to assault. And so we'll come to that, but let's start right there with verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews. So we begin where they're going to plant a church in a place called Iconium. But this is not a local church. This is not Christians going to church on Saturday Sabbath. Just repeatedly point that out as we go through Acts, as we mentioned before. Christians met on the first day of the week. Um, but here they're out trying to reach unsaved Jews who have yet to turn to the risen Christ for salvation. And so where they go, it says, and came to pass in Iconium. And these are cities located today in modern Turkey. We've got a nice big map back there if you ever want to look at uh, the Middle Eastern region. You'll see it's a very small part of the world that gets all the attention. It's an amazing thing. There's one word that explains... Why that part of the world gets all the attention? Jesus. If Jesus had come to the Americas, like the Mormons uh, claim, there'd be a lot more attention on what's going on in St. Louis thereabouts. You know, Jesus was born, crucified, risen in Jerusalem. But for where I'm sitting, I can look at that map and I can see Canada, the United States, Mexico. I can see the Congo that we were talking about earlier. I can see Germany, of course, Russia, China. They're pretty big land masses. I cannot even see Israel on that map. That tiny little piece of land. And it's what half the news stories today will be about. <laughs> it's just an amazing thing. If you look on a map, you'd have to look at the uh, ancient map to see Iconium and Antioch of Pisidia, which is where they came from because they've changed the names of those towns. There's the larger map. So you can kind of see it zooms in there up in the, what we would call the northwest corner of the map. 
is where you see Iconium and Antioch of Pisidia, not Antioch of Assyria, which is over across the way there. Just keep that fresh in your mind. And Antioch Pisidia is modern is Sparta, Turkey, if you look on a modern map. And Iconium is uh, Konya, which is, I think, some of you like that brand of coffee. But that, I, I think that's actually where it got its name. Konya, Turkey. And it's a three-hour drive today, but in Paul's day, some of you are aware of this, they didn't have cars. And most people didn't have camels or anything else to ride. Uh, they had to walk, and it was a, it's a 53-hour walk. Now, he's not here this morning. He's a little under weather, I think. But we have one man who walks that far in a week. Uh, and he, he never does it in one single day, and that's Jim Oldham. And uh, if you want to know how he keeps so fit and trim and looking so young and vibrant, that's how it's walking like that. So, <laughs> but I think I might have walked 53 hours the entire year last year. <laughs> but... That's quite a walk. I mean, Sean does bike rides that far, but they didn't have bikes back then. So, you know, that's a... Or smooth trails. Yes. <laughs> they, this, was, this was rough terrain. Yeah, you're right. So it says that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews there at Iconium. This is apostolic SOP. How many of you know what SOP is? Standard. Oh, you want to say what it is? Yeah. Uh, a standard operating procedure. Standing standard operating procedure. It's a good term to just be familiar with. I saw another military vet with a hand up. So you can see that's kind of a military term, uh, but it's used standard operation procedure anytime, even in uh, foot, football coaches used to use that term a lot. Why? Well, it is. It is explained by Paul in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And look what he says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. Now, we're an afterthought. And I'm happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> but this book is about Israel. This book is about the Jews. And for the most part, even when it comes to the Jews in Israel... They're not the main character. Who's the main character? Jesus. And referred to by God and Lord and so forth. God the Father isn't even one of the main uh, people, characters in the Bible. Why? Jesus explains it. It's because the Father is glorified through the Son. The Father doesn't have to have His name his title, Father, splashed everywhere because if you glorify Jesus, you're glorifying the Father. Amen. Unless you're denying that He is God and you're belittling and blaspheming Him like the cults and say He's a created being or some sort of thing like that. But if you are glorifying Jesus as He is presented in the Bible, God the Father is glorified in that. And so Jesus is the main character and point of the story. But who did He say Himself He came to save? The lost house of Israel. Now, lost sheep of Israel, I should say. And they weren't lost to God. God knew where they were. They were lost because they were far from God. They needed saved. And then you and I as Gentiles, Romans 11 explains it all, we were grafted in. 
good information to go study. And what well, we should be humble enough to realize what we deserve is to be in hell. Amen. So the fact that God has grafted in those who would believe among the Gentiles, praise the Lord, <laughs> I'm good with that. Book don't have to be about, you know, most Christians, when they read the Bible, they think it's about them. Uh, that, I just thought a good parody would be that song uh, to singing to professing Christians. You're so vain. I bet you think this book is about you. You're so vain. But this is transition reality as we've been presenting in the book of Acts. Transition is taking place. From Israel the nation, Mosaic law, to Jesus the Messiah, rejected by his own, with only a remnant of Jews actually believing on him, and he then ends up with a Gentile bride, pictured in type in the life of Isaac, the servant, the Holy Spirit, goes out and gets the bride for Rebecca, gets Rebecca to be the bride of Isaac. That's what that whole thing pictures. That's us. But I want to say this before we move on. It's not missionary or evangelistic policy for this dispensation. There are actually missions who believe that they have to go to Jews first before witnessing to Gentiles. That was the book of Acts transition policy. But once Acts was closed, that's why we keep seeing Paul say what? What was our cup two weeks ago, our message? We go unto the Gentiles. And so that's why that happened. It's, it's a matter of history. That passage we just read, that's history. It's not SOP. It's not standard operating procedure. Now, I'll tell you this. Uh, you, if I were to go into a town and start preaching the gospel, I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong if you see, like, we when we started BBF, it was shortly after that, we went down to Bexley and took gospel tracts geared toward Jewish unbelievers because 9 out of 10 people in Bexley are Jewish. At least it seems that way. I don't know the official count. I know it's majority Jewish. I know almost every door I went to was a professing Jew. It was hard to witness to them, though, because they never read the Bible. He tried to talk to them about the Bible and Jesus fulfilling Messianic prophecies and everything. And most of them like it. Never read it. Serious. Go to the Jewish area and try it sometime. You'll see what I'm talking about. We are not obligated to look for Jews before preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Bottom line. Preach to them all and let God sort them out. Amen? Amen? So back to our text. And you're thinking, boy, at this pace, we're going to be here for three hours. I'll pick it up a little bit, though. It says, They went into that synagogue and so spake that a great multitude, both of Jews, of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. So praise the Lord. A lot of people got saved. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. But there's more. <laughs> The mass majority of Jews will persist in rejecting Jesus as Messiah and in persecuting his church. Book of Acts, yes, 2,000 years since, going on 2,000 years. That's been the reality. But let me let, let you know on something. You heard people say that, and a lot of times they'll even use it as a slam against the Jews, like the Jews are this wicked race and worse than any other race on the planet. I got news for you. What makes it bad is because Jesus was their Messiah. But the same thing happens among the Gentiles. It's only a small remnant who believes in Jesus among the Gentiles. It's only a small remnant of people here in Worthington who believed on Jesus. And it's mostly Gentiles here in this city. And that's true of almost every city that, every city that I know of on the planet. 
So what happens? They face opposition. Beginning verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. You ever notice that? You preach the gospel to a lot of people and they don't only reject the gospel. Somehow something clicks and they got these eyes like if they could wring your neck, they would. You notice that? That's something. That's, that. That's what says happened here. The unbelieving Jews, they start up trouble and make their minds evil affected against the brother. This will sound like a broken record to the end of the book of Acts, but Paul also said this in 1 Thessalonians 2. Turn over there in your Bible, 1 Thessalonians 2. And verse 13 is a very good memory verse, and it's a verse we refer to often. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, I'll read that while you're turning there. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. That's a wonderful verse that tells us that if you're talking to somebody about the gospel and they reject that message as coming from God, they think it's just man-made, that kind of thing, uh, you're casting pearls before swine. That's what that verse is saying. We won't go rehash that. We've taught that on a number of occasions. But look what it says as we talk about believing the gospel. Verse 14, read that with me. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So you see there? It's not just the Jews. Of your own countrymen, it's talking about the Gentiles. Like in Thessalonica, Gentiles. But, it says, as they have of the Jews... Now read the description of the Jews in verse 15. Read that. Who have both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men. You'll hear a lot of debates about all oh, the Jews didn't kill Jesus. Yeah, they did. But so did you. And so did I. Why? Well, the Jews rejected the Messiah and they all crucify him. And they got the cooperation of Pontius Pilate and the Romans who did the physical act of killing. But he went on that cross because of your sin and mine. That's what put him on the cross. So don't deny that the Jews killed Jesus. You're denying God's word if you do. It says right there, who both killed the Lord Jesus. Talk about the Jews. And their own prophets. I mean, they stoned to death and killed numerous uh, prophets. We read that throughout the Old Testament. Um, but then verse 16, go ahead and read that with me. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them through the utterance. You realize Israel as a nation right now has tried to pass laws making it illegal for anyone to preach the gospel in their country. So that means we should hate the Jews and go ahead. No, that's not what that means. That means that the, the Bible's true. We still support Israel's right to exist. We protest their persecution. We pray for their salvation. And we let God deal with them. Amen? Amen. And so that's what Paul is describing. It happened then. It's happening now. But the apostles didn't easily give in to such persecution. 
Uh, look at verse 3. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So, for a good while, they stayed there in Iconium, and people kept getting saved. And the apostles, look what it says, spoke, speaking boldly. What do most Christians today do? Well, I'm afraid someone might get angry or offended, so I'm not going to say anything. I'll just live it. And I'm going to live it, and I'll be so wonderful, people are going to just drop being saved. That's what they must believe. I mean, how crazy that is. I've never met that Christian who could live it to the point where people got saved just because of the way you live it. Now, it's true. You can live for the Lord, and someone may see the peace that you have and see that you're happy in Jesus, and, that, and they may approach you, but you better start preaching the gospel or they'll still split hell wide open. Yeah. You are not their Lord and Savior. No. The fact they're impressed with the way you live isn't going to save their soul. No. How, you, how are they going to be saved? Well, I've had, you know, not boast of, hopefully everybody in here has had these moments. If you've been saved very long, if you've worked with people, had friends or whatever, and they come out and say, you know, I've noticed a change in you since you got saved. Or have somebody come and say, you know, you have such peace going through things that I've gone through that I didn't have that kind of peace. How do you have such peace? I'm glad you asked. Talk about opening the door there. How do you have such peace? Well, because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I know that He died, paid for my sins, was buried and rose again. He's alive today. I believe the Holy Spirit came into me when I became a Christian, so I have Him with me every moment of the day. And He promised He will never leave me nor forsake me. You say it in your own words, but you describe how... you. Because some people don't really give a good description. They'll give an answer, but it's not real biblical, and they leave out the gospel. Listen, whatever it is you have in Jesus and somebody wants it, you better start with the gospel, because that's the only reason you got it. You got peace, how'd you get peace? Through the gospel. You got joy, how'd you get joy? Through the gospel. You got love, how'd you get that? Oh, just because the natural is born that way. <laughs> Now, kids can be really loving from birth, but about 12 to 14, somewhere in there, just don't tell you how kids are saying that. But some of us, we were like two, we were talking earlier. At two, you could see that I didn't just have love, I had some other things in there too. <laughs> so this situation continued producing a stark division. And that is in verse four. But before we get there, I just want to say this. Christians are not unifiers. If you see yourself as a Christian, your purpose is to bring everybody together, everybody get along. You, you have been reading the book wrong. That's not how it's done. That's not how Jesus did it. That's not how the apostles did it. What do we do? Christian unity is based upon common submission to the gospel and word of God. Now, somebody will say, well, they claim to be a Christian, so I, 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 have, you know, I try to get along with them. Yeah. If they claim to be a Christian, but they support abortion, you're not supposed to get along with them. Yeah. How do I say that? Because I'll guarantee you, if you take a strong position clearly against abortion, they will shun you. And whatever the matter is, whatever the case is, if you are taking a strong... And I don't mean strong by the way like you walk in and bust in a place and start yelling at everybody. 
I mean, you just stand where you stand, and anytime they ask, anytime it comes up, you take a stand. You speak the truth. You won't have to do anything. They will shun you. That's what brings the division. Not you being a jerk, or you being nasty about it, or you, you know, you being the one to even declare that you don't want anything to do with them anymore. The division just comes by you standing on the truth, standing for what's right. Sometimes it'll be subtle. You'll start seeing them just come around less often, calling less often, inviting you over less often, or something like that. One year you don't get the Christmas card or the birthday card or happy anniversary card or whatever they send to you every year. And then things just start to drift, start to drift. I guarantee you what's behind it. When it comes to those things, we know. Um, so verse 4, what did they do? Well, verse 4 says, But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. Now today, that means the ministerial association would get together and try to have an ecumenical service where everybody comes together and holds hands and sings kumbaya. No matter what anybody believes, no matter what anything you know, stand on, you can be for gay marriage and for abortion and for this and that. But we're just getting along and we're going to show the world the unity in Jesus. That's not unity. That's a farce. Unity is in the truth. We're unified. I mean, on these issues, I'm sure I disagree with a lot of you on your taste in coffee. <laughs> I've seen how some of you drink your coffee. Or I should say your milk with a little coffee in it or whatever, you know. I, we have differences. Some of you, not everybody here is a Buckeyes fan, I'm sure. What? Some of them don't care. Uh, but those are not the things we're talking about. Our unity, though, in Christ. Our unity in this book being our authority. Our unity in that Jesus is the only Savior of the world. We don't debate whether it's okay to be a Buddhist or a Hindu or an agnostic and still go to heaven. Only Jesus can save. Only by faith in the gospel. Not by works. Only by His works. Not our own. He did all the work to save us. Amen? Amen. See, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. We have unity. You don't have to agree on every little thing, but those are the core things that we do agree on. And in this case, the Jews would go into the Gentiles and pick and cause division and start trouble. Sadly, that does happen in some churches. Some gatherings of people come in and they start nitpicking trying to, and try to cause division. But what these guys would go in and say, hey, hey, I don't believe Jesus is really the Messiah. These guys, I don't believe what they're saying about all that. You know, we, we our ancestors, our heritage is with the Mosaic Law. And, you know, that kind of thing. That's the same thing you run into all the time in so-called churches. Oh, yeah. And the people in the pews are faithful to that local church, but they're not faithful to the Word, not faithful to the Lord. Yeah. And so if you have a church with people like that in it, but you have other real Bible believers, that's not unity. Just because you can sit together in a church service isn't unity. So today, the part that is holding with the apostles meaning those of us who hold to the Holy Bible, King James Version in English, continues to shrink in proportion and percentage. And that's just a matter of fact. We live in those times, folks. We are in the end times. 
Don't get discouraged when you see the number and percentage of Christians in any particular area or your own area where you live dwindling. Because we're living in the day when the Bible said there'd be a great falling away. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Key word there. Lusts. Sex. Sodom. Woke. It's all sexual. It's all based on an unbiblical view of sexuality. Paul predicted it by the words of the Holy Spirit given to him. God-given words of Paul predicted the whole thing. And when the majority has the power to do so, they get violent against Christians. It's happened throughout human history. When the majority, which is rarely ever Christian, when they get the power to do so, I've told you, these people around here, the only reason they don't shoot you or lock you up is because they don't have the power to do so yet. But with the hate speech and hate crime laws and all that kind of thing, they're building the case to get you behind bars. That's what we're seeing here. Persecution. So the question is, how shall we respond to this persecution when it hits us? Verses 5 through 7. That's what happens. Look there in verse 5 and 6. Read that with me. And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. I don't know if you thought about this, but you know, stoning is like, uh, it's similar to being shot. The only difference is because the uh, bullet is about the size of the palm of your hand, and it's not traveling at fast enough speed, it doesn't enter. But it causes a concussion and other uh, contusions. <laughs> And causes bleeding, and uh, it's bleeding that kills you from a from being stoned. Well, that's what kills you with a gunshot. You know that when you get shot by a gun, what kills you is bleeding, and uh, that's why they make bullets to cause more damage to, to the arteries and veins to cause more bleeding in time of war. That's what you want, but for self defense, that's what you want. Stoning causes the same thing, but. It, it causes some, there is some bleeding visual, but a lot of it's internal bleeding taking place when you get stoned. Just think of that. If you think it's stoning, it's not like Stone Age. <laughs> it's just a, it's a similar to what happens when you get shot. And that's what they were wanting to do to these Christians. They wanted to stone them. How many of you have talked to somebody about the Lord and seen it in their eyes? They'd love to just take you out and stone you. It's the same spirit behind that as behind what we're reading here. Now, as a rule, we only submit to persecution. We, don't, we do not volunteer. <laughs> Unless absolutely necessary. Um, if, if they come to your house because you're a Christian, and you say, you know, we have uh, charges that you've done this or that, and hate speech, and... They're doing that over, in, especially in England and Canada. Going and arresting people just for speaking the biblical truth of the gospel. There's a video, I don't have, didn't have time to show this, I didn't, but a video of a guy in England last week who was arrested because he was preaching that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That offended the Muslims that are now taking over England. So he was arrested. And what did he do? He submitted to the arrest and is fighting it in court. And that's what 
We see the apostles do it. He didn't volunteer. But under the circumstances, that's what happened. So he went and is in jail. And Jesus gave this warning to the apostles. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, 16 to 22. Very, we, Matthew 10, 16 should be familiar to you. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And then the context gets lost sometimes. But verse 17, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. He's talking specifically right now in His presence are the apostles. Verse 18, And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. He says verse 19, but when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in the, that same hour what you shall speak. That's not you. This isn't to you. You are supposed to study, hide His word in your heart, and prepare for these times. Jesus is talking to people who didn't even have a Bible. The Old Testament was only available in the synagogues in huge scrolls, and the New Testament hadn't been written yet. Christians today use this, believe it or not, as an excuse not to study and memorize the Bible. Oh, when the time comes, I'm sure the Lord will give me something to say. That's not, he's not talking to you. At The application is to the apostles, but I do believe in a dual application. I believe the same thing is going to happen with those 144,000 Jews and the tribulation saints. I believe it will happen then. And we'll see in a second. What's it say? Verse 20. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Now read 21 and 22 with me. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So, what's going to happen? Well, that happened to the apostles. It's going to happen during the tribulation period. And uh, whenever he says, uh, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, we'll get a taste of that. But it's going to be much worse during the tribulation period. The principle remains for us today. But the direct application, as I said, is dual. This is spoken to the apostles and will apply to the tribulation saints as well. Amen. They will be arrested and then taken into prison. They're going to be turned in by their own family and loved ones. But look at what else Jesus says. And here's a hint. It's exactly what the apostles did. Look at verse 23. Read that with me. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. So that's exactly what the apostles did. And it is obvious that the primary application of this text is to the uh, apostles directly, but in the future to the tribulation and the second coming. Because he said, But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I said to you, Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. So that's the second coming. Amen. But don't miss what he said there first. Flee ye <laughs> into another city. Now, no matter where they went, 
whether they, as I say, stayed or goed, <laughs> what's it say they did? Go back to our text next. And there they preached the gospel. That is verse 7. And there they preached the gospel. So, that's the apostolic principle that is in effect until Jesus returns. If you can just, I mean you stand, but if you see they're about to try to arrest you or kill you, then it's, it's a biblical thing to just leave that area. There's nothing wrong with that. But there might be times where you're standing there and there's no escape. So just keep standing. That guy in England, before he realized he was surrounded by cops. And so he had nowhere to go. So he stood his ground and was arrested. He had done the same thing, and when he saw cops coming, he just like, and wait for the cops to leave, and then he went back and started preaching again. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. See how that works? And that's how we have to operate, and it's going to become even more important for you to get this message. As we go further and further toward the end times, toward the time of the rapture, you have to operate with wisdom and follow the apostolic principle. And with that, we'll close in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to close with this reading. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And while you turn there, I'm just going to tell you, there have been a couple of times in the past where people have contacted me and said, you know, you were teaching on this, and I, hadn't, I just didn't think I would ever have to use this in my lifetime. And then you'll never believe what happened. And they had to use this principle we're talking about right now. It's coming. If it hasn't already. Read with me verses 1 through 8. Read the even with me. I'll start with verse 4. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. And then it goes on to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my courses, Paul. I have kept the faith. Read verse 8 with me. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Uh, there's a case, I've heard people make the case this is about, this is a message to preachers because it says preach the word. Do you realize that every Christian is to be a preacher? Amen. You're supposed to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. But you're supposed to preach the truth of God's word regardless anytime any subject comes up. When you tell somebody what well, the Bible says, you just became a preacher. Amen. And you should do it in season or out of season, whether it's popular or not. You simply Amen. take your stand on the truth of God's word. And the promise in verse 8 is one I hope you let sink in. 
there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not your righteousness. His righteousness. A gift He gives to those who will believe on Him to be saved. And that's what it's all about. I hope that's what you're living for. If that's not the main purpose of your life, you're wasting your life. And you will regret the waste of your life at the end of life. When the end of life comes, if you have not spent your life to please the Lord Jesus Christ and to love Him, worship Him. And I think the old statements of faith said to enjoy Him. Amen. <laughs> That's the good life. Amen. 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 All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You, Lord, for this time in Your book. Thank You for the Holy Spirit helping us to understand. And we thank You for helping us in this life, Lord, that seems to go on and on and on as we wait for You to return and take us out of here. Help us to be patient even as we are longing to be in Your presence and as the song said, to turn our eyes upon Jesus, to look full in His wonderful face. We look forward to that day and ask for Your help in the meantime to live lives pleasing to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right, let's turn to page 506, talking about being in the presence of Jesus. Meet me there. Yeah. 506. Play that one more time. Sure, if I can get the page open. 506, the handbook.
Yes, Johnny, don't take off that uh, piano with straps. Did you tell Johnny? We, is Dave Reese here? Uh, downstairs. Dave so Reese, downstairs. Coming? We're going to sing Happy Birthday to Dave. And we have a little Lydia's birthday and Noah's birthday. Yeah, we're, we just see uh, Happy Birthday. God bless you. Who else in February? Raise your hand if you have a birthday this month. Yeah, and Mark Easter. Noah's hands up. Noah's hands up. Who else? Linda. Linda. Brian. Who else? Jane. Yeah, Lydia and Noah had that. All right, so. And Dave downstairs. All right. Well, the important thing is we've got cake. So let's sing happy birthday. And then we'll have prayer, and then we'll go down and have cake. Hit it, Maestro.